Hey, everyone, and welcome to the All It Takes is a Goal podcast, the best place in the entire world, including all of Canada, to learn how to build new thoughts, new actions, and new results. I'm your host, John Acuff, and today I'm joined by Jenny Acuff. That's right, the Jenny Acuff. My wife is on the show today. It's a fun, fun episode. She's a difficult guest to get. Even though we live together, like we live in the same house, she was incredibly difficult to book. But it's Valentine's Day, so I was able to convince her to do a special episode where I get to ask her lots of questions. We talk a ton about what's it like to be married to a dreamer. That's the question we get more than any other. People say, okay, John and Jenny, you've been married for 20 years. You do creative work together. You've launched projects together. How do you be married to a dreamer? Often there's somebody in a relationship and they'll say, wow, my spouse is really over the top with dreams. Or they'll say, I'm the dreamer. How do I get my spouse or my boyfriend or my girlfriend to understand the things that I'm into and support? So we get to talk a ton about that. I think you're going to love this episode. But first, a quick message about the sponsor of today's episode. Whether your engines have been running all winter long or you've been hibernating through the cold, let's talk about a food that will keep you going all season, macadamia nuts. Imagine enjoying macadamia nuts without having to go on a mission to find them among their distant cousins in the mixed nut package. A handful of these naturally buttery flavor bombs has the perfect calorie breakdown of proteins, healthy fatty acids, fiber, and a couple of carbs so you can snack without throwing yourself out of whack. You can get freshly roasted macadamia nuts in a variety of snack sizes from Uguazi Macadamia. But you won't just get better macadamia nuts from Uguazi. You'll also help build a better world. Uguazi means knowledge in Zulu because this isn't just another nut brand. Uguazi is a nonprofit whose primary mission is providing quality and affordable college education to African students. Uguazi doesn't just give a percentage of profits to charity. All the profits from their 14,000 macadamia nut trees and their freshly roasted macadamia sales belong to Uguazi International Christian University, a fully accredited nonprofit and Christian university in the kingdom of Eswatani. Order your next snack from buymacadamias.com. That's B-U-I-M-A-C-A-D-A-M-I-A-S.com. When you use the code John Acuff, let's spell that too, that's J-O-N-A-C-U-F-F. You'll get a free snack size package of roasted and lightly salted macadamia nuts with any order. That's buymacadamias.com. Use the code John Acuff. You can help build a better world while enjoying a healthy yet tasty snack of Uguazi macadamia nuts. All right, let's jump right into my interview with the Jenny Acuff. All right, Jenny, um, I need to start off by saying, because people won't be able to see this, we're not in the same room. No, (laughs) you might not get as much cooperation from me because we're not in the same room. Well, that was the second thing I was going to say is that you are my first hostile guest, I would say. (laughs) Um, I haven't had a guest that came on and I felt like it was going to be a little bit of a fight for the interview, but you might be the first. Like, yeah, um, agreed. The... uh, the reason we're not in the same room is that I don't own two microphones. You know, eventually I'll have a studio. I think we could, 
I I totally will have a stu- This is going to be an empire. Eventually, I'll have Where more than Where is it one. going? I don't know. On top, on top of the house? We'll put it somewhere. <laughs> but I'll have a studio. The reason you're hostile is that you don't like doing, like, when people ask us to speak together, you're like, nope. Yeah. Um, I'm the onstage person. You're the offstage person making it all happen. So I'm thrilled you're on. It's a Valentine's Day episode. So it, the theme is going to be really personal questions about our love. Um, I, have a whole <laughs> I guess lot, I'm going to be real quiet then. <laughs> no, I don't. That's not going to be the theme. The theme is going to be what we get asked about the most, which is how do you be married to a dreamer? I would say that's a question that when people see our marriage, we've been married for 20 years, that's the question they have um, the most. So I've got some questions for you about that. My first question is... Do you have the ring light on for me? Yeah, I have a ring light on. Yeah, for you. I want to look good. I apologize for wanting to look good. Yes. Nobody can see this video but you. Yeah, it's weird you don't have a ring light. Why wouldn't you want a ring light? That's, can we focus on the interview? I haven't gotten to the first question yet about being married to a dreamer. That was that was my first comment. That was your first question was, do I have a ring light on? Um, that's funny. So we've been married for 20 years. We spent our first couple of years in Boston. We moved to Atlanta. We now live outside of Nashville. And the question we get is, how do you be married to a dreamer? So my first question for you is, have you finished writing your book yet? <laughs> So are you teeing me up to tell you to tell the story? No, I want to hear you tell the story of that book because I think it's a great place to start uh, as an example of that it can often be ridiculous and annoying to be married to somebody who is a dreamer. Well, so I typically do what I say I'm going to do. Yeah, that's pretty cool. (laughs) But I don't typically do things that my husband says I'm going to (laughs) do. (laughs) <laughs> that is a fine distinction. That is a fine so distinction. So you decided to say I was going to write a book when I had no intention of ever writing a book. And now for the last, what, decade? I'd say eight years. Let's I've exactly. been asked about the fact that I haven't done the thing that I didn't ever want to do. <laughs> That's a pretty good summary. And you said one of the conditions for you to come on this podcast, first guest that's had conditions, I, I might add, um, was that you wanted me to do 80% of the talking. Yes. So I'm going to go ahead and say that up front because I know the feedback I'm going to get from this episode is, John, you should have shut up. Why did you not let Jenny talk? Because you wanted to eat you, dinner. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because I wanted the rest of the day to go well. Okay, so what happened with that story was I thought you should write a book about how to be married to a dreamer. So instead of talking to you about it, I did what dreamers often do, which is get really, really, really excited. And tell the internet. I told the internet, I announced it, and I got probably three or 4,000 people to sign up on an email list about that book that I didn't tell you. I told you eventually, once there was some buzz, I got the groundswell going. And what's funny is, Jenny is not exaggerating. For the last eight years, we'll be out somewhere in Nashville, and if like somebody sees me and says, oh, I read your books, they'll often go, Jenny, when is your book coming out? People have sent us like encouraging, like, like that I'm very like, like, yeah. um, what is it when you can't write? What's that called? You're locked up. You're writer's block. Writer's block. I have writer's You have block. eight years. And people will send us encouraging like mail, like physical mail. That's like, Jenny, you can do it. Um, and so, yeah, that was, that was pretty annoying. But if somebody's listening to this right now and they've got a husband who's a dreamer, a wife who's a dreamer, boyfriend, girlfriend, partner, whatever, 
what would you say has helped our marriage work? Like, what have we figured out over the last 20 years about how to communicate when I've got a big idea and you've got questions? What are some things that have helped us? Um, I think you have to kind of figure out how to manage the dreamer's feelings, you know, because eventually you have to tell them the truth, but you have to manage those feelings because there's a lot of feelings with dreamers. There are a lot of feelings. So when you say tell them the truth, the truth could be that's like, a that's bad a idea. That's a terrible idea. Yeah. Terrible. I- that's a terrible idea. That won't make any money. Acorns don't immediately die. Yeah. I, I showed you something in a, a new book I'm writing just the other day and you were like, that's not true. That's and not I, how acorns si- work. <laughs> it was a scientific fact that I think most humans know about acorns and I just got it wrong. And you were like, that is the point you're making is actually, that's not right. And I, and I was able to hear that because I'm mature. You wouldn't have been able to 10 or 12 years ago. That's no, practice. That is practice. And I think that's something that we've talked a lot about a lot. Like when John Woodall, who's a writer, speaker, pastor out of Atlanta, it really helped us to understand his theory of there's a how person and there's a wow person. Mm-hmm. Um, that in a marriage, there's two different types of people. And so I'll often come downstairs because we, I work at home with some crazy idea that I haven't thought through and I'll make a declaration that this is it was like a word salad of information word salad and I'm like this is the new direction of my entire life this Mm -hmm. is what I'm doing and then how do you react in that moment um I don't know sometimes sometimes I we can redirect quickly it just depends on how grumpy you're gonna be see that's what's interesting I think it does come down to some of those that feeling management of okay how like what's the response going to be i would say that over our marriage um well you're now in your 40s in your 30s i mean it was weeks before you could hear the truth ooh that is not good well but you were a a um a young writer you're a mature yeah. writer now so you understand that your ideas aren't your identity but you know at 32 33 they were all jumbled up. Okay, that's that's a really interesting thing. The idea of the work you're doing, the dream you have, it's so tangled up in your identity that when the how person, which is you, asks questions and not attacks them, but any question feels like an attack. Yes. Um, like, like when you introduce logic or reason or reality into a dreamer's world, it can often on the surface feel like, why does this person hate me so much? That's how I inter- like. Yes, I can and, see that. And your face typically looks that way. My face looks that way. Okay. <laughs> but you know what? It does look nice with a ring light. I so know. maybe from here on out, if I really want this skin to glow. It does make your hair look grayer. That's just my head. My hair is so gray. But if I dyed my hair, you would hate that. Oh, it would be awful. Like we have a, I have a list of things that if I came home with, Jenny would be like, let's go back to counseling. I think one is a puppy. If yep. I surprised you with a puppy, mm-hmm. I think another one is if I got a tattoo yep. without talking to you, like mm-hmm. even a cool one, like even mm-hmm. like if I got but some wicked. But would it be cool without my advice? Like a wicked cool, like barbed wire around one of my <laughs> no. biceps. No. Um, that would, you would be like, nope. Um, if I bought a car, if I did the December to remember and put a bow on a car and didn't tell you and yeah, just like, boom, Lexus, you'd probably have some issues with that. But I think there's a couple things that we've been deliberate about that have helped us when it comes to, you know, dreaming together, building a company together, because a lot of people don't know you're, you know, the Ake of Ideas LLC is, is 
the company we own together, and you're an active mm-hmm. part of that. One is, I think that we make the most of the time we have. Like we're more deliberate about time. And I think that started with the first book I wrote and Burger King. You mean we like you and me? You, you and me? I got really deliberate about time. Okay. Hey, like, and that started when the, the first time I was going to write a book, I had a full-time job. How old were the girls then? They were little. I think they were two and four, maybe. Yeah, they were little. They were in that like, keep them alive, put them to bed at 6 p.m. age. Yeah, yeah. The uh, and and I wanted to write a book, but I had a really full life and a lot of commitments and you kind of showed me a pocket of time I can use. Can you tell that story? Yeah, so uh you were doing a were you doing like a men's group or something? Men's group, yeah. Mm-hmm. And um it was on a one week night and we lived like achingly far from where you worked. Mm-hmm. Like in Atlanta. Yeah, I mean 45 minutes to an hour. And so you could have driven home that night, seen us for like 20 minutes and then gotten in the car again to go to that um, men's group. And I was like, well, you probably should just go straight to that men's group. And then you'd have like an hour and a half to write. But it ended up that you had to write at a Burger King because of that. That was the only, yeah. Well, that's there why wasn't would... like Wi-Fi and stuff then. It was a long time ago. No, we're, I'm, that's why my hair's gray. Yeah, there wasn't some cool coffee shop. It was so I wrote in the Burger King and your big thing was, hey, if you're going to be gone, make the use of the time. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. don't be at the Burger King reading a book, looking at a magazine. Yeah, I mean, you know. there wasn't even social media to distract you at the time, I don't yeah. think. But I still could have just goofed oh, you off. Could've but you're like, off. hey, like, if we're going to really do this, let's do it. So here's a window of time. And I think getting up early was another thing that helped me. Yeah, I think me. you went over to my parents um, in that season, yeah. right? I would go to your parents' house. But I think also like getting up at 5 a.m. to write before work was another indication to you of, okay, this is serious. Like that's Mm -hmm. where my career, what we're able to do changed is when I think I stopped giving you so many declarations and started to turn. You started to do stuff. Did, did, Did you, would you drive to work and then write in your car to avoid the commuting? I can't remember. Yeah, I would drive. I would get up really early and drive to work before everybody. In Atlanta, you have to schedule your life around traffic. around the traffic. Yeah, so you would go and get there quickly and then be able to have an hour or two before work. Yeah, and but it was the first time that I'd said for years, I'm going to do these things, these things. I've got these plans, and I think it's really hard for a spouse to um, support just words. There's not a lot to words. They're they're kind of mm-hmm. thin. But when you start going, okay, we're gonna, I'm going to have some actions. Here's what we're going to do. I mean, I think also that the addition of having small children, which really limits your free time, it probably made it easier for you to be deliberate. You know, I mean, you had all the time in the world before we had children and it was, the time wasn't as precious. Yeah. So you and weren't I, as good of a steward of it. Yeah. And when I had more limit, and I think that's one of the paradoxes of creativity is that limits actually help you be more creative. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, although I raged against them. Like when oh, the kids, you did. Mm-hmm. The temper tantrum when. <laughs> yeah. Do you tell that story? I don't know. I guess McRae must have been two or three because she was a quick to quit napper. And, you know, she dropped her afternoon nap and you had like this huge temper tantrum because you expected that on Saturday afternoons you'd have like an hour, hour and a half to do whatever you wanted. And I was like, yeah, yeah that's, and- that, that's ending. 
I felt like we should have voted on that. Well, but you don't get to say. You don't get to vote with two-year-olds. They're ter- they're terrible at democracy. They are dictators. They are dictators. Yeah. And so I remember, yeah, it was like a, the first Saturday. I was like, all right, I'm going to go do some stuff. And you're like, no, you're not here. Like the kids are awake and active. And I was like, what? I thought our agreement was naps. And that agreement ended. It ended. I mean, you got a good run. You got four or five years. It was great. It was a great run. It was a great run. I think one of the things we've worked on a lot is how to give constructive feedback or pushback to ideas, whether that's- To each other. To each other. Like, hey, we're talking about buying a house. Hey, although you will do that on me without even, like the the, the house we live in currently, you're like, hey, I'm making an offer on this house. It's going to be great. So it's not, yeah, you're you didn't really good at go that. inside. I didn't go inside. No, because you're bad at those choices. I am bad at those choices. But you asked me a question once when I I showed you something I was dreaming about. And the question was, do you want compliments or feedback? Yeah. And I thought that was brilliant. What what did you mean by that? Well, just, again, that's about managing your dreamer's emotions. Like, where are you on your vulnerability scale? Like, do you need to be praised or can we be truthful? (laughs) <laughs> so I think though that uh, yeah that's the but I mean but new ideas are pretty fragile so they're they super need fragile. To, they're like a newborn they need to be matured before you can you know get them to walk around yeah that's I think that's a good point they are fragile at the beginning and I, I think um, one of the things Brian Koppelman who's um, a friend of ours and a, and a writer and a producer said that he will sit on an idea for 24 hours. He won't show it to somebody for 24 hours. So there's times where I'll have an idea, I'll work on something, but I'll, I'll need some space before I show it to you or anyone else. Because if I show it to somebody too quickly and they give me feedback, I won't push through and actually do the idea. It has to be sturdy enough to receive feedback. Yeah, the idea is still too vulnerable. So you're, it's still kind of part of you. Yeah, 24 exactly. hours makes it not part of you. Exactly. Um, but I love that question, compliments or feedback, because there are some times where I just need you to be like, go for it, keep pushing, you can do it. And there's other times where I need you to be like, ooh, that is boring. Boring. Oh, yeah. You <laughs> said that just the other day. I I asked you to read a section of, it was like two chapters and you came upstairs to my office. And I and sat like, down, which is never good when I come up and sit down. Because <laughs> yeah. I need to like redirect you before we waste any more time. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Because I, I would have, I swear to you, I would have spent three weeks down this really boring. boring. Like, I was like, everybody knows this. <laughs> no, there was just, there was no joy to it. And I, yeah, so I, I was so glad and maybe it's because I'm in my 40s, but I was so glad you were able to say that because I, I was I was bummed to have lost the three or four hours that I spent on it, but I was thankful to save the three or four weeks of the wrong direction. Mm-hmm. And I, I think I think that was big. Another principle that I think helped us was one from Al, our friend Al Andrews, who taught us to not lie for each other. Can you explain what what that means? Well, the way he explained it to you, I don't know if I was with y'all at the time, is that, you know, if you have an argument in the morning and then you part and then you think about that argument throughout the day and then add words and colors and feelings to what you feel like your spouse has said to you or your partner, 
um, that you're lying for them because they ha- didn't say those things. You're just imagining with your hurt feelings that they said those things. Yeah. And I, I think it can even happen if you haven't had an argument where we've talked before about not making you like the bad cop. Like, cause what can happen in a, in a, in a marriage where there's a dreamer, there's somebody who's a how person who's like more strategic, more tactical. The, the dreamer can often be like, well, they're the buzzkill. They like, I have all these ideas I want to do, but they don't, they don't let me do them. And they, I think it's often tempting in those moments to lie for the person versus just actually talking about it. Well, they're just Um, using me. You you just use me as an excuse to not do something you're afraid of. uh, I'm a proxy for like, oh, Jenny wouldn't like this, so I won't do it. I think that's one of the the things that like travel, I would say travel was where um, we saw that happen. In my opinion, it's one of the, the most helpful sections of my new book, Soundtracks, is when you pulled me aside and kind of reframed business travel. Can you share with people what, you know, that approach, your approach to that, that conversation? Because I think there's a lot of people that feel that tension, a lot of parents, especially. Can you explain? Well, you you were treating it like drama. (laughs) You know, I mean, it is dramatic. I mean, travel in and of itself is chaotic and dramatic, but you were treating every trip as this opportunity to fail your family where we're like, no, you're serving your family by making money for us. So I just think you, I don't know, you, you like travel, but hate it. And so I think sometimes it was sort of all blended together. Well, I think that, you know, the, the big thing for me was that I was making the kids feel the tension of it. Yeah. You were being like, Oh, I'm going to miss this. And I was like, stop it. Being drama. Yeah. Well, they don't care. They don't notice. Most of the time, they don't even notice. You're just doing your job. Yeah. I'm teaching them to be sad. Like, Mm -hmm. and that's, I mean, that's even the way the brain works with mirror neurons is that they didn't know to be sad. I would be like, hey, I'm about to leave. I'll be home in three sleeps. And kids have no concept of time. Yeah. And they were also maybe 12 at the time. Yeah. So, like, I was like, I got to go. I got to light a candle for me in the window until I get home. And you were like, you're giving them your sadness. Like you're stirring up all this sadness, all this drama. Then you leave. Like you leave me with the drama kids that you've just <laughs> created. And the, the thing that I didn't even notice was that it quietly teaches them that work sucks. Like mm-hmm. if you spend 18 years telling your kids, oh, work is miserable, work is miserable, work is miserable. No wonder they don't want to get a job when they graduate. And so mm-hmm. it felt like this potpourri of reasons just be like, no, go like, I know you don't like Bill Belichick necessarily. I do as a Patriots fan. Um, but it he felt just doesn't very, look like he's having any fun. He owns a ton of sweatshirts with that's no sleeves. True. So that's pretty nice. But it felt very Bill Belichick for you to be like, do your job. Like, go do your job. We're so happy you're doing your job. This is awesome. Go do your job. And that reframed my ability to do business travel, which, which I thought was great. Well, I think you were ultimately, you were always nervous leaving not leaving us, just, you know, like the tension of going and doing something. The things you do for your job are a little nerve creating. And you were just applying that to the kids versus being honest and saying it was about you. Yeah. And dealing with it and Uh working on it. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Like doing the work, be like, boy, these kids are real sad. I'd love to do that, but these kids are so sad. And you're like, what? They don't even, they they don't even notice. I think one of the questions we get a lot, you and I, is how do I get my spouse to support me? 
So let's imagine there's a listener that, you know, has that question. What would you say? So I'm in a marriage or I'm in a dating relationship, whatever. And I, I'd love my, my significant other to support me. What kind of advice would you give them? Well, you need to support them. I mean, like you get what you give. I mean, a marriage or partnership is each person giving 100%, not each person giving 50. And that's really the only way it works. Yeah. So if you are in a position where you're like, I'd love them to support my dream, start by going to support their dream. Totally. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you know how it is. And when you live together, like the person who keeps score is always going to win, but the marriage always loses. Oh, there's the, there's the tweet. The person who he keeps score is always going to win, but the marriage always loses. Yeah, I, th- I think you have to have it be scoreless because you say that to us sometimes. Like you say that in the house. That's a yeah, Jenny phrase. Yeah, because everybody will be like, oh, well, I had to empty the dishwasher. And, and what will you say? I'll say like, well, if we're keeping score, I win. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> or they'll say, oh, I had to make my own breakfast. And you go, oh, do you want to, you want to, Go go for that. You want to count meals? Let's let's count who cooked <laughs> meals this week. You do not want to get into the ring with Jenny Acuff, which is why and it's another. Well, and it's just a miserable way to live. Like, who wants to keep score? No, I don't. I no, I don't. I don't want that either. And I I think that one of the things that you said in the answer to that question, we got asked once at a conference, and you had a microphone, and you didn't drop it, but you could have. But somebody stood up and gave a pretty long rambling question. That sounded like, how do I get this dumb spouse to support my awesome dream? Yeah, and it was. Do you it remember was a what little, you said? Uh, I think I said something about like money helps or. Yeah, you said money helps. That's all you said. You said money <laughs> helps. And then you left it there. And like the crowd started clapping. And again, I think, you know, in that moment, you were saying, hey, if you're building something, it helps that it's actually efficient. It helps that it actually produces something. It helps that it actually is contributing to the family. Like spouses don't want to go on a ton of crazy journeys. And especially if you've gone on one. I, I started an ad agency that failed. Um, I don't mm-hmm. know if you remember that. Oh, I Pretty, do. Yeah, it was expensive. Did. It was expensive. I mean, it was like it was like a master's level course. I mean, it was Pretty quick, though. I mean, it you was didn't have fairly, to go to school for a couple of years. You got to learn that pretty quick. I did learn that lesson fairly quickly, and it was an expensive lesson. But if you've done some expensive lessons and you haven't learned from them, that's where I think a spouse goes, I, I don't want to do 10 more of these. Like, mm-hmm. I want, you know, like, show me, show me that you're getting up early. Show me that there's money involved. Well, your how person is probably your detail person. So, you know the dreamer's going to have to apply some detail towards the detail person. Speaking of details, um, <laughs> you recently purchased me something and it's a real thing. It's not, this isn't just a bit. Uh, what did you buy me recently? Well, I bought you, I think they call it a dad cap. What do they call it? Like very dad baseball cap, you know? I don't know maybe a dad cap. I don't, I disagree with adding the word dad to things because it's meant to criticize my people. Yeah, um, that's dad true. bod, not a compliment. Dad joke, not a compliment. Oh, dad, dad jokes are great. Ah, but they don't mean funny. They mean like kind of terrible. Like, no, but they mean like goofy. Yeah, yeah, I, I guess so. I love them. But what? Is, yeah, you bought me a hat. What does the hat say on it? Detailed. So you ordered a stitched hat that all it says across it is detailed. Yes, because you were having a hard time doing some things that 
you needed your detailed hat on and you're capable of being very detailed if you want to be. Yeah, I can I can turn it on, but you were basically like, "Here, I put need you to on. put this hat on occasionally," and so it's actually and then a hat. like respond to our accountant. Yeah, 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 exactly. Like <laughs> keep us out of jail with taxes. Like I, we need to do some stuff. Like we're the adults. That mm-hmm. I think that hits you in like maybe your late twenties, early thirties, where something happens at your house and you're, it's like the you know water heater goes out or a roof leak. And you're like, man, who are the adults that are going to fix this? And then, <laughs> and then it's you. <laughs> you realize, oh, it's me. It's mm-hmm. me that does that. But yeah, you bought me a detail that which just continues to crack me up. It's so, But it's helpful, so, isn't it? It's totally helpful. I've got it right here and I'll, I'll wear it. I'll be like, okay, I gotta, I've got to do this in my inbox. I'm not looking forward to it. It's not I, my feeling. If I ask my feelings, my feelings are like, Ugh, you don't want to do that. You're not motivated. You're not where it's just like, I don't have to be motivated. I just have to put the hat on and then I have to do the thing. <laughs> and then and you get to the, take it off. Yeah. And then I get to take it <laughs> off. And when I have that off, I'll be glad. I think that's so funny. I think it's just little things like that. Absolutely. Crack me up. I think one of the things that we talk about a lot is allowing the other person to have their own level of excitement. So I think there's a tension. Like if I, I've learned over the years, if I come downstairs with an idea and I expect you to match or even exceed my level of thrill about it, we're already in a tough place because it doesn't allow you to express your personality and who you are. Well, but I need to process the idea. You've had like three cups of coffee related to the idea and I've just woken up. Yeah, that's that's 100% true. Where... I might have been thinking about it for three weeks. I might have, you know, mm-hmm. been working on it. And then I come down and give you a postage stamp sized bit of information. And I'm like, with a lot of energy, with a lot of so much passion. And then I come down and do like a mini Hamilton. And then <laughs> I expect you to, I standing ovation. I want a standing, standing ovation would be very nice. Mm-hmm. Um, but that, that does not happen. But I think over the years I've learned you're going to process it. You're going to think about it. I learned that from Eric Larson. Eric Larson, who's an author, he says he has to leave town for okay, his wife to read his book. Devil books. in the White City guy. Devil in the White City author. He said, I have to, I have to leave. I can't be in the same state when my wife is reading, reading my you know, early works. And so I think giving you something I've written has been typically helpful. you give it to me and leave. Like, like yeah. you typically at the end of your morning writing session, and you have some afternoon appointments, that's when you leave. Yeah, I give you a, a manuscript on my chair with a pencil, and then you leave the house. Yeah, I would say though that we've also taught the kids this principle where, like, if they want something, if they're really into something, then like put some effort into it and present it. Oh, yeah, so, I like, need a slide deck. Slide deck. There's times where, like, Ellie put together a slide deck for TikTok. Like, we weren't mm-hmm. going to casually give her access to TikTok. Um, cause it, you know, turns out not everybody on the internet has nice. your child's best in mind. Just, there's a handful of people that aren't great. And so <laughs> she prepared like a 10 point slide deck of like, here's the accounts I want to follow. Here's the type of content I want to do. Here's, you know, here's my agreement with the phone. I thought that was a good lesson for her and, and for me in the sense of, if I want you to be into something, it helps if I show that I'm into it too. Yeah. Versus just being being casual uh, up front with it. Well, there's a lot of ideas, John. There are there are a lot of ideas. 
it's hard for us to know which ones are actually going to like mature into ideas that stay around for a while. Totally. Totally. Yeah. And, and that goes back to the John Woodall thing. I think his advice there was the how person should say, wow, for like two weeks. Mm-hmm. And then more than likely two weeks two is days, too long for you. In two days, the, the ideas are going to be gone. I won't even remember that idea. But if two weeks later, I'm still working on it, you go, okay, well, let's, let's ask a couple how questions. Mm-hmm. Let's, you know, let's, let's think through this. Well, but you, your writing process with your um, books now is we fiddle together with the core concept long before you start putting pencil to paper. And so we kind of help, you know, otherwise you, you go down like pencil to paper down seven ideas before it actually matures. And yeah, it makes you kind of, you know, it gets you all kind of stirred up. <laughs> yeah, that's stirred up. That's a, <laughs> that's a nice way to say it. That's a, that's a funny way to say it. I've got a couple of lightning round things that you've said to me that I'd like you to explain to the audience. Because I think that often on my social media feed, when I share something you've said, people love it. And it feels like, like people will say, it's so funny. I'll share it and they'll go, she needs to write a book. And then I'll go, I know, right? It's ridiculous. It's been taking her this long. I apologize. She's very, she's not usually lazy, but on this particular project, I don't say any of those things, obviously. But here you are a couple do things. privately to me. I do to you. Yeah, well, well, so you, uh, we joke about stuff like that all the time. And that, that's, part of, that's part of what's funny. But here's a couple of things you've said to me. Stop saying you have haters. There aren't people actively thinking about how much they hate you all day. You bumped into a handful of grumpy people who said something mean to you once online. You call them haters because it makes you feel more important. Can you unpack that for us? I mean, I think I said it all there, didn't I? You said it all there. So was that just more drama? Do you think, I, th- I think that there's a lot, it does make you feel good ego-wise to imagine like, man, I'm really dealing with a ton of haters. And you're really, it's like one jerk on the internet who's already forgotten you. Yeah. Unless you're a politician. Well, and I mean, I mean, you said that a while ago. I don't know. It just, it's a distraction. You know, I mean, social media for you feels like creative work. Because I mean, it definitely is in your skill set. And if you can stir up a lot of drama over there, then you don't actually have to do the work that you need to do. Oh, okay. Okay. So the drama becomes a noble excuse. Totally. Well, or just, you know, like you need to work your ideas out verbally. I know that about you. The internet is not a safe place to do that. No, it's not. It's not. It was 15 years ago, you know, in blog form. Uh, 15 years ago, it was, and it isn't that way anymore. It's a marketplace. It's no longer like a coffee house where you talk to people. It's a marketplace. And you just need to remember that when, you, when you're on the internet, it's a marketplace. It's not your living room. Yeah, you've said that to me before, that you're, in essence, carrying the mall in your pocket. Yeah. Um, and if you need to kind of reframe it. And and I think if you think about it, every app on your phone other than the calculator is ultimately trying to sell you something. I may like, be the calculator too. <laughs> you think they're running, they're trying to, well, they're, maybe they're stealing my data. They're, oh, well, you they're know trying they to are. figure out what kind of numbers I like to use. They're like, this guy loves sevens. We're going to send, and next thing you know, like Instagram, I'll see an ad for a seven poster. Um, maybe that's Maybe that's true. Another thing you said to me 
this was maybe two or three years ago when we signed uh, a new book deal, a two book deal. You said, John, um, you're a jerk for the two years when you write a book and you're a jerk for the two years when you sell a book and that's not going to work. Um, I'd rather you be a happy plumber than a miserable writer. You would be a terrible plumber. Well, yeah. I mean, I think we know that. People listening probably know. What do you think? Like a happy lumberjack? Something. I'm, I own a knife now. <laughs> so that's pretty cool. Nothing with sequence. Nothing. At, I think, oh, okay. Like not an electrician. I'd be no. dead in like 30 <laughs> seconds. I would, I would die on the first job. Somebody would be like, can you change out this light switch? And they'd be like, man, that guy was terrible on electricity. So, okay, let's not get distracted. What did you mean by that? What was my what was your question again? I got Two years, started. you're a jerk when, and you didn't say jerk because you're I pretty didn't. profane around the house. Well, um, I want to. I, I, I try I to keep this word, show clean. I, I use that word for emphasis. Yeah. Um, I mean, writing books is your job. It's just your job. Yeah. Just yeah. do your job. I mean, in the same way that if you're a customer service account count person, you just do your job. And for some reason, you had decided that um, writing books was some calling from on high. <laughs> and it so was funny. it was applying a lot of emotion in our family. And a lot of stress. A lot of Yeah, just do your job. Yeah. We joke about that often that like an accountant doesn't get praised at the like, you know, in this like, I mean, your streets. job's nice. People give you compliments. My job is amazing. I have the exact level of fame that I love, which is like two people recognize me a week and they give me compliments. Like mm -hmm. in the street, people come up and they're like, hey, you're good at your job. And I'm like, oh my gosh, thank you for saying that. I love your books. I, I looked at that statement more as the two years thing that. I was making it so dramatic that I was using chaos and stress as a fuel. Yeah, totally. But that, yeah, because you were using chaos as your writing impetus versus as like just, my mute, just ju doing the thing. Just do your job. Just yeah, do your sit job. down and write every day and then you don't get scared of it. Yeah. If I take time off from writing a book now, it, it, it just no, gets it's, it's terrified. Bad. It's not yeah. right. Yeah, you said that too. Another thing you said is writers who aren't writing aren't fun to live with. And I think that's I think that's true of a lot of things that people enjoy doing. Like runners who aren't running probably are not super fun to live with. Like people who aren't engaged in the thing they enjoy doing are probably not enjoying. Well, it's coming out sideways, other ways. Whatever is your creative like expression, if you're not expressing it, it's coming out some other way, sideways. And, and usually not in great ways. Here's a surprise question. Is it hard to be married to somebody so famous? <laughs> do you find it challenging? Um, is that, do you think it's, with your ring light shining on your yeah, face. Yeah, that's right. I got a ring light on right now. Um, I, that is one of our running gags um, where if somebody say, I remember we were at a shoe store and somebody was like, oh, hey, I really love your books, you know, and I was, and it was like a Saturday and we left. It took like four minutes. It was so nice to the person. And I said in the parking lot, and to think you get to spend all day with me. Mm -hmm. Like all that day. person just got to see me for four minutes, but you, I mean, just constant, just whole week. Like you've this whole week you've been around me. You don't find that overwhelming or intimidating. No. 
You've, no. you've managed. No, you've managed. You've managed. No, it. like sometimes when you know, because you moved into my workspace. This house, yeah. Yes. I really yeah. didn't ask permission either. No, I mean, you worked from here, but then the pandemic made it so you never left. I never left, dude. And yeah, like you came into my workspace. I mean, like, yeah. What the finish this? Where's this sentence going? Well, sometimes you're like, no, I you can't use the washer machine. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm recording a podcast, and you're like, <laughs> excuse me. Like, I'm sorry, Jenny. Once we have a studio, that won't be an issue. But until uh, until I reach studio, studio studio going. Uh, in probably, your car. Oh, I think somebody's already done that that bit. Like, oh, I'm crazy. Jerry Seinfeld does that. I can't do that. It's coffee and cars. Um, that that's not going to work. That's so funny. Um, but yeah, I did come into your space, which I let's end with this. Um, on a sad note, in a, in a way, I had to fire you from this company. Oh, that's um, not true. It, how do you see that story? <laughs> how do you remember that? Well, you thought we were partners and I'm the CEO. <laughs> <laughs> well, but I eventually had to be like, you're fired. No, you, I, you had sto- to remember that you were the talent. which is why i have a ring light on that's what talent (laughs) does like we realized we can work on a lot of things together but we weren't going to do the day-to-day of running the business together like no but uh, you know i write the books with you yeah i mean not physically yeah exactly like they're good mature the ideas together exactly but I, I mean, I remember you said you need an assistant because that will be cheaper than marriage counseling. Yes, I can sit in on all the big meetings, but she needs to get the phone call when the light doesn't work because you'll be nicer. I will. I am nice. I'm very nice. Yeah, but, but you, you don't wouldn't be get nice to me. <laughs> I, 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 don't, I would probably be grumpy. But yeah, you don't want the call from like, I'm in Tacoma and I'm trying to get to Dayton, Ohio. And there's seven connections. And I'm like, Jenny, I really don't like this, this flight schedule. You don't. And you you're don't like, and you were the one that said, yeah, that sounds great. Oh, Three yeah. weeks ago. Yeah. I, I think that's something that we talk about a lot about admitting you're the person that's going to be doing the thing that you're saying yes to. Yeah. You have a real hard time connecting with the future version of yourself. Yeah. Of saying, okay, yeah, I'll do that. And then when it shows up being like, why did I do this? Mm-hmm. Why did I? And stopping in the moment and going, okay, the person, like three weeks from now, I'm going to be this person. And that yeah. person is me. That is sitting, having to be at the airport at 4 a.m. Yeah. Because I thought the- that was a great idea three weeks ago when I didn't have to do it. Yeah. And now I'm like, why did I, why do I hate myself so much? Last statement that you've made that I think is interesting. There was a challenge I was having with work and it was, it was, I couldn't do a bunch of stuff and I was frustrated and I was working really hard. And you said, you must have a terrible boss. Mm-hmm. And it stopped me in my tracks because I'm the boss. Yeah. And so you can't quit either. I can't quit. I quit so many jobs. But I think there is this degree of when you start to take responsibility for what you're doing, whether you run your own company, whether you, know, whether you just have a health goal of saying, oh, okay, wait a second. Like if I hate running, I should do a different activity. Like mm-hmm. there's no, there's no running police. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, but I, I think of that as like taking personal responsibility. What did you mean by, Hey, you must have a terrible boss. I mean, I meant that just that you, I mean, sometimes you'd be like trying to get like running 
like eating lunch down here and then running back upstairs like some boss was keeping you on the clock. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, I'm like taking a seven minute lunch break. And yeah, like, you've said, yeah, you never would have worked this hard for somebody else. Who's <laughs> doing this to you? It's you. And I was like, what are you talking about? So I think connecting the reality of our life to the, you know, and taking responsibility for, okay, am I, am I doing this in a way that is sustainable? Am I doing this in a way that's drama free? Am I doing this in a way that's fun? I think that that's how I took it. Yeah. Well, and I think in, I don't know if all dreamers are like you, but the way you do your dreaming is it's, you know, there's a lot of like goals involved and sometimes it's just chaos. Like, I'll see you, like, drinking a, (laughs) like, gulping a glass of water in the kitchen. And I'm like, oh, he's got some stupid water goal right now. (laughs) Yeah, it started this year with one. I was like, I'm going to. And I was like, you look miserable. Yeah, it was miserable. It was too much water for my body. It was way too much water. And I, (laughs) I was trying to drink. I've gone through different periods where I've tried a gallon a day. Where I it's just too much. You're not that big of a person. What am I, like 6'4"? No. <laughs> hey, 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 ooh. You're actually like half an inch taller than me. Um, but I would I would try to drink a gallon of water a day and I'd carry around a gallon jug like a weightlifter like places. And then I was <laughs> like, like, you, you know, weren't like, a writer? <laughs> like I wasn't a writer. I was like, oh yeah, exactly. <laughs> like I don't expend a ton of sweat during the... My, the course of my, like, it's not like I'm a bricklayer where it's like, dude, you're out in the hot sun. You're a roofer. You, you got to replenish. <laughs> you got to replenish yourself. You, you know, like there's never, I don't have a towel that I wipe sweat off with next to my desk. But uh, yeah. And so then this year I was like, I'm just going to do 99 ounces. And even that felt like too much because you're right. I, you would catch me in the kitchen and like it'd be gulping. the end of the day. Like, like with a grimace. And I'd be like, I hate this stupid water so much. And I was just like, but I got to do it. Why? Who, who is making you do this? Like, and I'm like, well, I'm just trying a goal. And like, it's not a good goal. When I tell people I'm a goal nerd, that's what I mean. Like, I would say in books, podcasts, Twitter, whatever, people are getting like 10% of the crazy goals I'm trying. Oh, they're getting like one. Yeah. And you're getting the other 99% and you have to be like, wait, why, why did you do that? What, what is that? What does that mean? The the water is definitely an easy example. Um, I think another one is when I'll be like, I'm going to obsessively make the bed and I'll catch my, I'll catch myself making the bed at a hotel because I want to get the credit. And you're like, from who? I know. Yeah. It's a little weird. Yeah, it's a little weird, but I, yeah. And, and you'll go, if the bed is unmade, you'll go, oh, you must be done with that goal. <laughs> like at the end of the day, you'll remark. Yeah, like, but you never tell me it's happening or not happening. It's just like this secret thing. I'm not that- trying to keep it secret, but I mean, I've got a lot of goals. I can share you the list. You're in the kitchen. I'm upstairs. We're not far because the studio hasn't been built yet, but that. <laughs> I'll, I'll put together a PowerPoint and we'll we'll get a slide deck going. Maybe I'll get a studio. But Jenny, I am so glad you joined me on this podcast today. I think, I have a prediction. I think this is going to be a really popular episode and we'll probably make this a regular thing. Nope. I could see us 
just hear me out. I could see. No, nope, like, don't I, you go promising things I'm not going to do. I heart. Well, ooh, <laughs> when you do your book launch, we'll nope. do a, a separate podcast. Well, there I you just, go. That'll be easy because I'll never launch never a, book. Do a book. Yeah, I think iHeartRadio might hear this and be like, you guys need to be on iHeartRadio and talk about love and dreaming together more regularly. Um, I doubt that. Uh, just putting it out there. We'll say or a water company. Might be like, you know, this guy sounds like he's perfect for our what? Like, oh I'll God. go some water. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, no, like Dasani or like Aquafina um, or Smart Water. I'm just, you know, get, gotta get sponsored. Babies, babies need shoes. I, these expensive hats you keep buying me aren't gonna, aren't they? Aren't free? They're detailed. With, with my detailed hat. Well, I am so glad you joined me um, today. It was super fun, and I think there's a lot of great content here that a lot of people um, will be served by. So thanks for joining me. I'll see you in like 10 minutes with a, a huge, crazy idea I have that I would love you to get behind 100%, and I'll tell you four details. Okay. All right. Love you. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to my interview with Jenny Acuff today. I don't know why I keep saying her full name, Jenny Acuff. I think my favorite part was when we talked about water, the water goal and how obsessed I sometimes get with fairly meaningless goals, like just go all in. I've got a huge glass of water beside me as I record this. We'll put all the links in the show notes as always. And thank you for reviewing my podcast. Um, We're marching our way to a thousand reviews and that's going to be super exciting when we're able to hit that and every review counts. So thank you for doing that. I really, really appreciate it. Please make sure to subscribe or follow or whatever it is the kids are saying these days. And please write a review. Last but not least, big thank you once again to our sponsor, Uguazi Macadamia. Visit buymacadamias.com and use the code John Acuff to get a free snack size package of roasted and lightly salted macadamia nuts with any order. That's it for this week. I'll see you next Monday. And remember, all it takes is a goal. Thanks for listening. To learn more about the All It Takes is a Goal podcast and to get access to today's show notes and exclusive content from John Acuff, visit acuff.me slash podcast. Thanks again for joining us. Be sure to tune in next week for another episode of the All It Takes is a Goal podcast.